Welcome back to the Everybody Soccer Podcast. This is your host, Bill Reno. After getting settled in Memphis, I'm finally back on the podcast with Chris Barocas, who is the Fort Lauderdale goalkeeper coach. Fort Lauderdale, led by head coach Jason Kreiss, is Inter-Miami's USL affiliate, meaning that Chris is working in tandem with the MLS side to hopefully assist in the development of the next generation of young American goalkeepers. Chris has worked up and down the East Coast for the past two decades as a goalkeeper coach, working as an assistant in the college game, most notably University of Central Florida, as well as being involved with Orlando City's and New York Red Bulls youth programs. On top of that, he's worked closely with the U-20 youth national team goalkeepers, Rose Chandler and Manny McGlynn, the latter of which recently was the only goalkeeper selected in the 2020 NWSL College Draft. So to say that Chris has a good grasp on the goalkeeper environment in the U.S. is a little bit of an understatement. Building off Chris's extensive resume, I bombard Chris with a whole host of questions on goalkeeping in the U.S. In this episode, we talk about what an American goalkeeper looks like, or if there's a style at all, as people have argued both sides. We follow up with a glance into the U-20 World Cup roster on the men's side from the 2019 run, as there was three very different goalkeepers and very different backgrounds, and then conclude on where the U.S. is succeeding and where they need to improve when it comes to American goalkeeper development. Last thing, the audio was a little rough on my end, so shout out to Ground Glass for helping me clean it up. No, I think that, I mean, uh, I took some notes and stuff like that. <laughs> good, 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 know, yeah. I've, I've, I've watched some film. Um, hey. I, you know, at some, at some point I might pull up some film to, to really reference, but, you know, okay. that's, I, think I'm, I think I'm pretty pretty ready to roll. Okay, perfect, perfect, yeah. Okay, so um, I've been, with with this outbreak and everything, I guess one of the silver linings for me um, was getting to dig through some old film, and I've, I've kind of always been curious on the, the question of what does an American goalkeeper look like, and um, I think you even look at someone like Tim Howard, his, his career, how he was playing in those early days versus his prime and versus later days. There's some consistency there, but I feel like he there's a lot of change you know, when he goes to England, and um, and so I, it's been really fun as kind of like a, I, I had a history major for what it's worth, but I, uh, it's been fun, like, digging back through that and looking at some old film, so um, I'm curious on your thoughts on, has there ever been a prototype American goalkeeper look or style? Um, I've heard people argue both sides of that of, yeah, it's XYZ, and then some people say, well, actually, there wasn't any at all, and if you look at them, there's not much of a consistency there. So, what are your thoughts on the American goalkeeper style? Uh, has there been one, uh, and if so, what does that look like? Um, I mean, I I think that there is a little bit of an American style. Um, you know, it's it's not the easiest thing to describe. So, I'm going to use a, a different um, a couple, I guess, points of reference. Um, if you obviously, if you go back um, to '90 and '94, which were the first two World Cups that I remember, um, you had Miola. You know, he, he he was an athlete, right? He he grew up playing multi sports. Um, you know, a little shorter than what Tim Howard is, and you know, those types of things I think are cyclical in terms of what we will see as far as the goalkeeping evolution goes. Sometimes you'll see. You know the six foot sevens and, and the six foot six goalkeepers, and then other times you'll see goalkeepers that are a little bit shorter and maybe closer to six foot really thriving. And I think it's um, some of it's based off of team need, um, and some of it's based off of the league that they're playing in, which allows them to be more successful or not. 
But I think one of the constants that you've seen um, in, in our goalkeepers is they they were multi-sport athletes growing up, mm. um, or they weren't necessarily 100% a goalkeeper at the U14 age, U15 age. They were they were playing on the field. They were they were developing different you know different characteristics through different sports or different positions. They weren't just locked into being you know, a, a goalkeeper. And I think that that's something that's that's helped their development um, because there's so many different types of maneuvers and, and techniques that goalkeeping is, um, you know, and sometimes they just learn from their environments. And I think that's that, that's been beneficial for a lot of them. Um, you know, think, think, you know, Howard was a multi-sport athlete. He was an incredible basketball player. Um, Miola was supposed to be a very good basketball player as well. Um, you know, I don't, I haven't seen any footage of that, but um, <laughs> you know, I, I trust what I've heard from people that know him, sure. and you know, that have interacted with him on a on a, on a basis a while ago because I was I was very young when Tony was coming up. So um, I think I think you see that, and I think that those elements definitely help the development of goalkeeping. It is a a little bit of a later specializing position. Um, from a psychological standpoint and the ability to read the game. Um, you know, I always compare them to, you know, uh, it, it to a quarterback in a, in a sense because you, you haven't seen a, a plethora of quarterbacks come into the NFL and as rookies just completely light it up. Mm, yeah. um, I know we're seeing it a, a little bit more now, but, you know, 15 years ago, it was once in a blue moon that a quarterback would be ready to step in from college to the NFL. Um, you know, so I think that that's something that we have to remind ourselves of is at 18 years old, at 20 years old, this is, this is a massive jump from a high school or a development academy into the pro game um, for these guys. And, you know, if if you're looking at women's position as well, um, you know, you look at most of our starting goalkeepers, from you know, let's say let's say '95 um, and, and going forward, you got Bryce Curry. She was multi-sport. Um, you know, Hope obviously was in goal the longest um, during that period, and you know she she was. I, I haven't seen any data that says she's multi-sport, but she played on the field. Ashlyn Harris played on the field. I mean, they were both very good field players. Alyssa Nair, basketball player. So I think that. The diversity when they're younger in the in the sports or in the activities they do helps them, um, you know, become goalkeepers going forward. Uh, how would you say? Because I think you're hitting on a really interesting point there about how them being multi-sport. I'm curious what you think about um, how how that comes out in the field. Because I when I think about it, I you know people talk about basketball like the you know the the rebounds kind of mimic the the handling crossing aspects of goalkeeping. But I, I feel like the biggest thing that I see come out of it is whenever the play breaks down and it's not a shot from the top to 18 and it's just, it's kind of a wild situation. I feel like that's when I feel like that's when I see like the American style come out a little bit more that they're able to just find the ball. It's not, it may not be pretty. Yeah. 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 Yeah, Very true. Yeah. Yeah. So how how have you seen like the multi-sportness come out for American goalkeepers on the field? I mean, I think that I think you're right. Like, if if it breaks down and it's just a, a very very unorthodox situation that the goalkeeper is in, they might use something that they've 
done in in basketball or, or volleyball um, you know and, and and those are two of my thoughts in terms of like sports that definitely help um, but the, the ability to improvise you do see it like it's it's not pretty it's you know it, it's it sometimes is like the, like the, the least textbook tech, uh, technique that you that you could ever imagine but it's just success and you know you're like oh well that kind of reminds me of a maneuver in basketball or, or an action in basketball mm. or, you know, when, when a ball is headed down and you've got a goalkeeper that can't get both hands to it, but kind of pops the ball with the inside of their forearm, like a volleyball dig, right? You, you've seen that, right? You yeah, see that, yeah. um, it, you know, the ability to improvise, I think is huge. And I think, um, I, I think something that we're seeing more and more is, is more randomness in training and more cross, over, um, you know, in training, um, when the coach is with the goalkeeper, that does help that because there a lot of times keepers are specializing at such a young age now, not only position, um, but sport that they lose some of that. Yeah. And, I, and just, you know, I, the, I the saw, ability of when you're, I just you're saw young, a, a, a clip. Improvise. Sorry, oh, sorry to cut you off there. I, I just saw a clip yeah. today of before I hopped on here of, uh, a guy just slamming tennis balls from the top of the 18 and the goalkeeper in like a proper goal. Um, yeah. And I, I think, I, I mean, it was an extreme to anything, but I, I thought, I think to your point there, like I feel like training has gotten maybe to a fault of just so random. Like they, we've swung so far back that way of like, well, what's, you know, I'll, I'll throw like a, you know, a cone at them. They have to catch in the air. Then they have to run over here and do this. Mm-hmm. This is not, um, so I feel like, I feel like I see that a lot now. Not, not all of it that I love, but, um, I, yeah, I hadn't really thought about that aspect though. Yeah. And, you know, I think some of the stuff we see on the internet is, is interesting, I guess would be the best way of putting <laughs> it. But do, do we, do we really know the context of that? Is that yeah. something at the, at, done at the very end of a session? Um, you know, just to add something for the goalkeeper. Who's driving that? Does the goalkeeper want that and that help them be confident uh, or confident to going into the weekend? Maybe. Um, you know, is it a rehab thing where the goalkeeper's injured and they have to be in an isolated position and you can't really, you can't really do much? And then you got to get creative um, to get them repetition and get their eyes and, and their cognitive ability firing. Yeah. So, um, I, you know, it's the, th- the thing I think it's about- almost like. Uh, well, I was just thinking about Yaxley. Was it Yaxley who was who did like a training session with yeah. Ashlyn Harris, and she's yeah. sitting on like a yeah, yeah, you know, it. she's sitting on one of those exercise balls, and mm-hmm. you know, like as if she's doing like a wall sit, and he's just doing volleys at her, and and this is the reason. I mean, I was kind of already at this point myself, but this is the reason why I don't like to look at like a five to fifteen second clip and be like, oh, this is wrong, just because you don't really know the context. But of yeah. course, there's like a ton of people slamming them of like this isn't game realistic, blah, blah. And, um, he, you know, he comes back and responds. I forget what injury she had, but she had some injury that it was a, I think it was a quad. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So she, yeah. you know, her mobility yeah. is really limited there. So it's, you know, they're working around that. And then of course it's like, Oh, this makes sense then, you know? So, um, yeah. I think having that, and that's not the only thing they did on that. Game. Right. Yeah. That's <laughs> yeah. A, you're looking at a 15 second clip that yeah. might've been four or five minutes for, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. and he's doing other things to, to continuously get her technical repetition and everything like that. Cause she, she was limited and yeah. what she could do based off of, you know, her recovery plan. So, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. 
Well, you know, you... I think I think with with the American goalkeeper. I, I mean, I think if I had to characterize it, you know, it's it's a very athletic person, yeah, um, and and one that has just uh, such a competitive nature and and self belief. I think are are those you know, some qualities that you know not every goalkeeper that on that list has those qualities, yeah. right? Um, they, they may not be high on every single one, but they've got those qualities and, and that drives them to win. Um, and I think that that's one of the things that, you know, does fall in line with, you know, kind of the American bravado is we're, we're winners. You look at, you look at, um, you know, our teams, we, we want to win. We want to win. We're competitive. We're hardworking. And I think that those, are those, um, characteristics fall in line with that. Yeah. The, I, I think maybe the save that I can think of that best sums this up, and I'm pretty sure it was from a friendly, which is kind of disappointing because it was an amazing save, but it was um, it was that, that double save from Solo where the shot gets deflected, and so it goes from her bottom right corner yeah. that she's kind of, you know, she's having to do a lot of footwork to get over there. It gets deflected and starts going towards the other bottom corner, and it's, yeah. it's not extremely pretty, but she, she manages, it's a bizarre sequence, but she manages to get back all the way across the goal, um, save it, then get up again for the rebound as it's, you know, a Canadian striker sliding in on it. And yeah, that, that might be, I just probably, there might be a better one, but I, I that's one of my favorite saves. That, just for, I think that's a great example, yeah. to be honest with you. It's just like, no, it, she's not giving up on it. Yeah. How many times have you seen a goalkeeper do that and kind of yeah. like fall to their knees? Yeah. And, yeah. You know, there, there's, there's no, there, there's like that, you know, no, give up no surrender type mentality yeah. with our with our top level goalkeepers and you know there's been very good goalkeepers over and over again but those are the ones that you know we've seen start the majority of games and been that kind of that rock in that position for a long period of time and, yeah. you know there, there's other goalkeepers that definitely fit that mold as well but they may not have gotten to the full national team they've done it you know you know in, in club um, for an MLS team, or they've gone overseas and done it for an extended period of time as well. So, yeah, yeah. Um, I just figured to highlight the the national team goalkeepers right there. Yeah. So. No. Well, let's jump to the the U twenties as far on the men's side um, and kind of <clears> run through their last uh, World Cup cycle because they had a really interesting core, and I don't I don't think most people realize this. So, the three goalkeepers I felt like were the three most different styled goalkeepers. That we've ever had on the U20 team, so we I'll run through them real quick. We have David Ochoa, which people may know the best. Um, a little bit of an undersized Tim um, Malia, kind of scrambling type in goal. Um, mm-hmm. has, has a lot of. Um, I mean, he really embodies this, like not the cleanest style, but can kind of get it done in one way or another. Um, and he finished the tournament. The starter was Brady Scott, who probably is what you would think of as more. Um, that kind of 90s U.S. style, you know, stays on his line, shot stop or good handling. Um, and then Carlos Dos Santos, who wasn't featured in the tournament, but he's been, he's he's with Benfica, uh, sweeper keeper to the extreme, uh, 6'4 lanky, very mobile. Um, we've got these three very different styles. And so I, I, I know part of it is because they're all in different parts of the country. Brady Scott's in Germany. Uh, Dos Santos is in Portugal, and then Ochoa is uh, with uh, RSL here in the U.S. So that's a big part of it. But I was wondering if, you know, is this is this just kind of random chance? There's nothing to think about it? Or is this something where you look at this um, kind of roster core and say, oh, this is this is where the where things are moving. 
Um, some, you know, some of this is getting outdated. Some of this is kind of a new style. Is there anything to take away from having such a drastically different U20 goalkeeping core? Um, I, I, you know, we can sit here and, and we can definitely pull it apart and dissect it to the, you know, the, the nth degree. Um, I, I kind of looked at it as, you know, you had, you had Scott in and he was what we all thought, you know, he was going to be the starter at the beginning of the tournament. He played, you know, and then, then Ochoa got some chances, right? And, you know, I think at the end of the day, I think your, your assessment on him is, is, is pretty good. Like, you know, CJ obviously is, is very good with his feet, plays out of his box. It's partially because of the situation he's in at Benfica, and they sure. want to dominate possession and everything. Um, Brady is, is, I mean, they're all good goalkeepers. Uh, you know, you don't get to that stage without being a, a good goalkeeper right. or, <laughs> yeah. or anything like that, right? You know, you don't just walk through the door and get an opportunity like what they have. Um, CJ had been in the national team environment for a long period of time. And obviously he was with the 17s um, in, in the previous cycle. So, you know, having some consistency there is, is big. Um, you know, and they're all about a year apart from each other. Um, you know, uh, Brady, I think, is a 99. Uh, CJ's a 2000. And Ochoa's a 2001, I believe. Yeah. I, just I turned, think he's uh, the youngest, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's the youngest. So I think in a lot of environments like that, you know, at first you look out on paper and say, you know, they're bringing in Ochoa um, to get him experience because they see him as going to be the number one going into the next cycle. Because he's, I mean, obviously he's going to have an opportunity to potentially play in that since he was the youngest, right? Um, but you know that can change. Uh, you've seen it a couple times on the women's side as well, um, going through the U twenties. I mean, Rose Chandler was in in two thousand fourteen, um, and then I think Brooke Heinsohn was in in two thousand sixteen. Sounds right. Um, so that, that that's something that you do see is like they bring in a younger guy that they feel like has the potential to to go now. Um, you know, I think they're all relatively well-rounded goalkeepers. They have their strengths and weaknesses. But, um, you know, I, I looked up over over the year leading up to that tournament, CJ had played two or three competitive matches, you know. So I don't know if there was injuries involved or anything like that. So that might be why he didn't get an opportunity to see the field. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I'm, just, I'm just going off of data that sure, I saw sure. online. Um, so that could, that could have done that. Um, whereas Ochoa had started and played in a bunch of games for RSL. So maybe that accelerated his development. Um, and, and he's in a, in good form because as you know, playing that position is so much about being in a rhythm. Um, you know, you don't just go from not playing to stepping into a tournament like that. So that might've hurt CJ, unfortunately. And and I I do like the way he plays. I do like him as a goalkeeper because it, you know, I look at him and I, I see a lot of good qualities there, um, you know. And I don't, you know, I don't not have confidence in, in all three of them. But being that he hadn't played in an extended period of time, sure. I'm not sure. I'm as a head coach that you have to win in those environments. I'm not sure I'm putting him in, you know, in, in a game on the line type of thing. So that might be why you saw Brady and, and you saw Ochoa get the minutes in that tournament. And you know, I think I think they're both. You know, good. I think uh, you know there there were some youthful moments in there and some indecisive moments in there, um, but they're also at, at what is one of the most difficult ages 
right? Because they're at that yeah. you know, 17 to 20 age where sometimes they've dominated situations because of their physical maturity. Um, and then now they're thrust into an environment where everyone's physically as strong as them or stronger, right? And how do they adjust? Um, so, I mean, looking back on, on those games and, and kind of reviewing some of the stuff that happened in those games, you know, there were little, little things. And at that level, that's, that's what it is. It's a game of inches. Um, yeah. You know, like slightly off position. Um, yeah, and yeah. we're out of position here and there. And that's how the goals are scored when you get to those levels because the opposition is good. So, um, you know, I, I think that those are all three very good goalkeepers. They're going to they're gonna have good careers. Um, it's going to be interesting to see uh, the next cycle and see if Ochoa is the number one for that group, um, which, I mean, he's definitely got a, a good level of upside um, because he is young and he's got – you know, some qualities that you would, you're very impressed with. Like he has the ability to make some of these big, big game changing saves. Um, you know, it's one of those where the youthfulness, hopefully, um, you know, the little things like he tries to get away with a longer ball and fitting it in a tighter window, you know, maybe he's able to recognize that a little bit faster after another year in, you know, in in a USO environment because, you know, he's in a good environment. He's going to get minutes. Um, it's what he does with them. It's how he prepares for those minutes that's going to really dictate whether or not he's going to be the, the number one for the 20s. If I, if I had to just pick right now, I would say, yeah, he's probably going to be the first in line to, to have that job. Um, but he's, you know, he's going to have to earn it because there's going to be two other goalkeepers there that really, really try and pull yeah. and uh, pull him out of that position. So, you know, Brady was steady. Um, you know, he, he wasn't overly adventurous. Um, you know, in terms of coming out, you know, recklessly or anything like that. So, you know, he, he's, he's a good option for the way the U.S. plays. Um, but, you know, did he have that ability to improvise? I, I don't know. Um, in some of the situations where, you know, goals got scored, I'm like, oh, you know, maybe he does this, maybe he does that. And at the end of the day, it's very easy to pick it apart on film yeah. because of the speed and the variables and, and the pressure and everything like that that's on these kids. I, I don't know exactly what they were feeling because I wasn't in their shoes. But, um, you know, it, for me, it's, it came down to those were probably the, the two options that they looked at because they had had consistent games going into that tournament, sure. um, even though Cho was the youngest guy. Yeah. No. Well, and I, I know there's a big thing, and I, I feel like it gets a little overdone, but I certainly can't disagree with it. But I, there's a lot of talk of um, consistency in the back, and the the problem I have with it is that it, it doesn't give backup goalkeepers enough chances. Essentially, like they'll just stick with one too long. Yeah. So I and I, I don't think this was the case, but for the situation here, but I. I wonder, you know, you had Dos Santos as this like scram or this um, sweeper keeper. Like, I'm gonna guess that the team was probably not prepared <laughs> to. I mean, it's you know, it's essentially an all-star team. You know, they're not, they haven't worked worked together too long. So, um, trying to find a goalkeeper style that best fits with you is, you know, that that's gonna be tricky. Especially, I, I think they had kind of moved off Brady at, you know, after the second game, trying to yeah. find you know, who, who could fill that, that spot there. Um, so that's always difficult, but I, I did think it was really interesting. So Ochoa got the number one Jersey for the, 
for RSL going into 2020. Um, yeah. And of course, everyone just assumed like, oh, hey, he's going to be the starting goalkeeper. And I've, and you kind of hit on this earlier, I think starting teenage and slash young goalkeepers in MLS is extremely difficult. I mean, you, I think we have one success story with Tim Howard and all the other teenage goalkeepers that have started never really surpassed MLS. Um, and so I, in, in the women's side, it's a little different because you'll get, you have to, they'll come in after college. I think Casey Murphy is yeah. maybe the youngest that's come in and she was like, well, no, she, she left for France. Yeah. They, I don't, I don't, I can't imagine, I can't think of a scenario where someone under 22 has come into the NWSL, but I, I am curious on your thoughts on, um, how both the professional leagues here have been at developing young goalkeepers, which that's going to be a different age gap for, for either side. But how, how have they done in your eyes? Um, where are they having success? Um, and, and, and where are they falling short? You know, I, it, that's, that's a difficult question because, like, success for you as, as someone that's, that's on, you know, no offense, on the outside looking in, what's the club philosophy? Sure. What's, you know, is it, is it to go ahead and develop a kid from the academy into a goalkeeper, into a first-team goalkeeper to sell on. I mean, that's you're, you're talking about variables going way up the ladder that um, you know that that executive level people decide, right? Um, you know, I think I think overall they're doing a good job of getting goalkeepers to a certain level, um, and, and I think you know giving giving goalkeepers opportunities to train with the first team. Um, and and with USL teams and then and then signing goalkeepers, I think is uh, is starting to become something you see a little bit more. Um, but it's very difficult because head coaches' jobs and you know the the way that sports are in the U.S. Um, you've got to win, right? So if if you don't win at a certain period. You know, it doesn't matter how much potential your team has. Yeah. Fans grow restless. Yeah, yeah. You know they they are trying. You know there there's mobs outside of stadiums. You know calling for the head coach's head. So, um, you know it's 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 difficult. I think you'll be able to see something better in probably the next five or so years um, because there's going to be more teams that have opportunities to play younger goalkeepers. Um, like you said, you know, Tim Howard being a, a 19-year-old and having the ability to to take that opportunity, he was prepared for it, obviously, take that opportunity and then make a huge jump to a European club in Manchester United and then having an extensive career over at Everton, right? You, you don't see much of that. You don't see many goalkeepers come in at age 18 or 19 yeah. and have... 20-year careers you know you do see it from time to time but it's not like you don't see like three or four kids doing it each year with the amount of clubs that are in europe right you you know you you saw casillas start really young for real madrid now you know they had an absolute squad in front of them which probably (laughs) took some pressure off of them you know Gigi buffon started as a young player and had success but like there's there's big gaps in between that, right? In in their own countries, because um, after Casillas, who who was there until now De Gea, you know, started playing young at Manchester United. So 
Um, I, I think it's very difficult for a young goalkeeper to step in and deal with the, you know, the emotional highs and lows of a game, the, the, the reading of the game, because it's so much faster than everything they've seen. There's an adjustment period to where they can almost, almost know what's getting ready to happen um, and then be able to act on it. Um, their feel for the game. Uh, I think that those are elements that, you know, are, are very difficult for young goalkeepers, um, the psychological, the emotional side of things, and then the social. You know, what is it, what does a 19-year-old goalkeeper have in common with a 33-year-old yeah. <laughs> forward? Yeah. Right? He was, I mean, you know, so that, that's got to be a tough thing as well. I remember Tom Sermani's first camp um, with the women's national team. And Jane Campbell was there. The other goalkeepers were Ashlyn Harris. I think she was 27 at the time, right? Um, Joe Lloyden, Nicole mm-hmm. Barnhart, Hope Solo. Wow, and yeah. there was really, I, I think Jane was like 16 at the time. Wow. You know, so who does she identify with when she goes back um, there? So I, I think I think we're doing a good job um, in terms of developing them. Um, but we've got to kind of get them over the hump because I think clubs want to develop a goalkeeper and develop them into, hey, I'm going to have, this is going to be a starter for us and is going to be possibly like an all-star level goalkeeper, you know, a top echelon goalkeeper in the league, and then we might be able to sell that guy overseas because that, you know, it is a business to a degree as well, right? And and selling and buying of players is part of that business, so. I think uh, I think five years from now you're, we're gonna we're all gonna have a better idea of what that kind of question and answer really is. But I mean, you know, it's it, let, let's be real; it's very difficult to develop a goalkeeper, yeah, from a young player all the way up as well. So, well, it, it certainly um, feels like we're in new territory. You know, like I, the resources into giving a goalkeeper a track, and, and like the women's side, yeah. I think really shows us like what does a goalkeeper do. If they get even if they're drafted number one in the league and they go sit like I what is her name the the USC goalkeeper that just retired um, she won a national championship there came to the NWSL for three or four years I think played Caroline two, something or other uh, Sammy Joe what um, what is her last uh, name Pudo yeah 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 uh, okay. yeah so she comes in plays I me mean, a handful of games over four years and she's a national champion like she you know she's struggling to get games um, so what you know what is their route it's almost it's almost like half of their career is dependent on luck as far as like if they're going to get a chance at the the starting spot or not and so you'll see them you know going to australia or going going somewhere in uh in europe and it's just tough to get that they're out and i think on the men's side they're i don't know maybe 10 years ahead of them as far as really developing that route maybe even more to be honest you know that ochoa actually has a tangible track to yeah. you know the number one spot win even five, seven years ago, what is he going to be doing? You know, like I, so um, I think that it's almost like we're, and I don't say this in a derogatory term, but we're, we're, it's almost like we're making it up as we go along just because it's uncharted. You know, we, we haven't had past success of connecting college or e- even skipping college to USL to pro to MLS and then question mark after that. We haven't gone down that route before. So we're, we're really exploring this at the moment. And I, I'm really curious to see the the resources behind each team of like, okay, who's really going to commit to having this or that? I think Elena was one I was interested in. They had, was it three or so 
U25 goalkeepers last year. Like that, that's really interesting to me of having that kind of environment there. Um, but there's a million, I mean, you're, you're hitting on this. There's a million intangibles to it all. And the, the thing I always come back to is Zach McMath, who leaves Maryland, I think at like 19 or 20. Oh, he's probably 21. Yeah. He, he's young. And so Philly just throw him in the deep end. And he goes from like a potential national team goalkeeper down the line to now struggling to like establish himself as a starter in the league. And I feel like that ended up kind of shooting him like someone else shooting him in the foot and kind of hurting his career there. So it's like you're saying, there's just so many intangibles of getting them to that final product, but we, it's hard to have an appropriate roadmap right now just because we haven't really gone down this route before. Yeah. And you know, I think at the end of the day, I think there's a lot of coaches out there with, with open minds and they're looking to, you know, reach out to, to clubs, that have a longer history than us, you know, in our, I mean, let's sure. let's, let's 20, 25 years of the MLS right now right. versus some, some European clubs that, you know, they're around a hundred or have so been yeah. around a <laughs> yeah, hundred years. So we're, I think reflecting and taking some of the stuff that they've done. And I think, you know, the, the German Federation is obviously working with the MLS specifically for goalkeeping, and I think that's awesome. I know some people that are on the course, and they're really, really enjoying it. Um, I think that those sorts of things, us, you know, being able to put our hands up and be like, hey, I don't have it all figured out, Mm -hmm. um, and and looking for help and then really studying it is going to help with that. And, you know, there's going to be some trial and error, like you said, kind of figuring it out as we go along. There is going to be some trial and error because we're not Germany. Right, we don't have the same setup as Germany and everything like that. Nor, nor do we have the same setup as England or Spain. There's going to be because the U.S. is very unique. I mean, we're a massive country, so you know, trying to trying to continue to evolve from that is is going to be a challenge. But I think that the ones that you know are persistent through that challenge are the ones that you're going to see. Um, you know, meet the challenge head on and, and eventually overcome that. So I think you're going to see. Um, I, I use five years as another arbitrary number, um, but I think you're going to see in the future we're going to be better at developing goalkeepers. Um, I think in the last 10 years we've taken significant steps forward. Yeah. You look at the the depth our women's national team has or could have in their full national team pool, right? and we've got good depth on the men's side, but do we have that elite goalkeeper who – we can sit here and say, "Hey, they're one of the top five goalkeepers in the world." Yeah, now, yeah. That remains that remains to be seen right now. You know, may, maybe top five is generous. Maybe top ten or fifteen. <laughs> At one point in his career, you could say you could make a legitimate argument about Tim Howard for that, right? Yeah. You know, um, especially with the amount of potential and athleticism, and you know how he just seemed to keep getting better and better for a long period of time, right? Um, and then obviously, you know, it, it, it's one of those where. You look at our women's national team, our reserve goalkeepers would be starters on many countries that are competitive around the world. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. You know, and then you've got people that could probably be starting for other countries like and Aubrey Bledsoe right now. If she's a she's a fringe player for him. Yeah. Um you know, she I think she's part of that next wave of goalkeepers that comes in. Her Casey Murphy's gonna be a part of that as well, I believe. But you know, they need uh, they need they need experience. Yeah. Um, and I think right now 
we've got young, good goalkeepers in our men's national team set up. I think they need the experience. They need the ability to go in and fail and have success and work through those failures to, to kind of come back full circle. And, you know, um, I, I, I believe in my heart and, you know, in my mind as well that there's going to be another very high-level goalkeeper coming from the U.S. within the next 10 years because, you know, it, it is very cyclical, right, yeah. um, throughout the whole process. So. Yeah, no, I, uh, man, you said a million things I want to talk about. Um, <laughs> but I, uh, that, the German Federation kind of union with the MLS is something I'm really fascinated about. But I, I do think the women's national team death pool is really, uh, we're at kind of an interesting spot because I, I don't think anyone really expected. I mean, you look at Scurry, you look at Solis, these long careers and kind of holding down this number one spot for most of that time in there. But we've kind of hit this odd spot where Nair's, she's there, and I think everyone expects her to be the starter, but no one really knows when that transition's going to be made. And so we've, it, it feels like for the first time in a while, we have kind of this, you know, over the next two or three years, we'll have a real, like, open, like, okay, who's it going to be? Like, I think you, anyone could, I mean, you could put French in that, you could put Campbell in that, um, you know, Bledsoe, Murphy. I think you've got a lot of people in the running there that, um, it's just a big question mark as far as how that's going to fill out. But um, last question here, and we'll kind of end up in, wind down on this, but trying to wrap all this together here. Um, where would you say that the U.S. as a whole is succeeding and falling short as far as goalkeeper development? So where, where's something we're what's something we're doing well at, um, and then where is where do we have ground to be to be making up on? Um. I mean, as far as things that are going, I'll start with the good news first. Um, <laughs> good. You know, it's there's depth. There, there is good depth. Is it elite depth? That takes time to really decipher um, and really see uh, during. Because I, I think ultimately, to to figure out if they're elite or not is to see how they perform, not only in friendlies, not only in domestic tournaments. How do they perform in the highest pressure environments? How are we performing in the Olympics? Yeah. How are we performing in, in a World Cup or, or even qualification um, as well? Are we are we rocks? Are we making these big game-defining saves? So I think there's good depth. Let, let me on, let me ask uh, you about that. I, I feel like the we have really – I would agree that we have really good depth for like our U23 goalkeepers. I'm really fascinated by, by a number of those mm-hmm. goalkeepers down there. But I feel like our – 23 to 30 gap specifically That's, on the yeah. men's side looks feels very thin um so just to is is that something you'd agree no, with or? i i i'd look at it a little bit deeper how many um of our goalkeepers from u23s to let's say 30 are amassing um that that have the potential are amassing 50 to 60 starts um, in a pro game, and I think that's that goes back to um, one of the earlier questions about like you know are we as professional clubs doing enough to um, you know to, to promote and to to enhance our goalkeepers um, you know are we successful at developing them you know so and it's like I said that's a very difficult situation because some clubs are going to go out and just they're trying to win a championship um, you know. I think when you when you look at the pathway for for a goalkeeper 
there's going to be a time where, yeah, they go through the, the youth national team setups um, and get into the Olympic setup. And, you know, at that point, they're pros. You know, do they have starts in that, in, in that age group? And do they have starts in professional games that might be more difficult um, than some of the, you know, the friendly matches that they're playing? Are they put in the, all those pressurized situations? Or are we seeing another Dos Santos where it's two years where this guy's not seen the field except for the time he's been in, you know, to a national team? Uh, yeah, yeah. So the consistency and the, the ability to create a rhythm for them, I think, is something that we're continuing to, to look at um, for our younger goalkeepers. And, and clubs are, at least with their USL teams, um, doing that more and more. Um, because obviously we see Ochoa in a situation where he's got, you know, 20 starts already. Yeah. Um, you know, and in, you know, a, a, a decent level environment for him to really be challenged and pushed out of his comfort zone. And it's more physical and it's faster than what he's used to. That's going to help him developmentally. Um, you know, the college game does help to a degree, but I also think that you know, there, you know, when you throw them into a professional environment, you know, they're, they're, that's going to enhance that. It's sure. going to make it even better. So I think, when, and that'd be something interesting to look at from, you know, twenty-two, twenty-three to let's say twenty-six, twenty-seven, right, where goalkeepers should start be kind of kind of start getting closer to that, okay, they can be they can be a legit option for us. You know, how many of them are actually playing games versus just training and, and getting the occasional U.S. Open Cup game and, sure. and that sort of stuff? Because that's, that's been kind of the model prior to this, right, is, yeah. is some of those guys who get those games. Um, and, you know, I don't know off the top of my head what that, those numbers look like. So, I mean, it's... It's one of those where it'd be interesting to see a correlation between games played and that. I know kind of a, a rough number on the, on the women's side is, you know, they, they go through college, they get drafted, but in order for them to be legitimate options, you know, they need a body of work of, you know, 50 games yeah. um, before they are legitimate options. Now, they can come into camp, but, you know, they, they need 50 games because they want to see a good body of work. They're not just going to go off of one or two, uh, one or two moments from a tournament sure. or anything like that. Like, I mean, there was a, there was a funny quote for me last summer during the women's world cup, Alexi Wallace was, uh, and he, he's known for sometimes <laughs> you know, these big grand rush quotes and everything sure. like that. He said, you know, you're looking at the best goalkeeper in the world. And he was talking about the Chilean girl. Now, don't mm. get me wrong. She had, she had a good couple of games in that tournament, but she also made plenty of mistakes. Yeah. And you don't judge the best player in the world off of three or four performances. Right. Now you, you judge them over their consistency and their ability to impact a game. I think that that's in order to, to really figure out, you know, who our next ones are is it's a big body of work and, you know, yeah. fair play to our, men's and women's national team goalkeeping coaches, they obviously have, uh, you know, they, they have the, the hardest job in terms of deciphering that because you know, they're expected to win and, and win every time, yeah. every time they step on the field. Um, and they've got to put the best players in position to do that. So yeah. I, um, I remember, you know, oh, backtrack just a little bit. I, I remember that Lawless tweet. And I remember at first like thinking like, oh, like I, I had a million things to say to it, you know, like, oh, that's incorrect. But then I saw it was from Lawless. I was like, 
okay, that's fine. Yeah, <laughs> like that. Just leave, you know, just, yeah, just leave it be. Right? Just move it on. Yeah, it's okay. It's okay. Yeah, but yeah so. that's. I mean, I, I was sitting there and you know, I, I, I was watching the game, and my wife even said that. Like, you, like really? You know, and my wife's a, a nurse. Uh, yeah. She's not She's not the soccer lady. In the house, <laughs> but, so, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But no, that's, I mean, it, like, you know, we're, we're in a great time. There's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of learning going on as far as the goalkeeping position goes from, from the science side of it. Um, you know, from the physical side of things, the technical and tactical side of things, I think, you know, the one thing that we're, just because it's such a difficult topic and there's so few of them out there, but I think the next is going to be kind of like the sociology and, and, you know, and, the, and the psychology side of things is what we're going to really look at. And, you know, Paul Rogers talked about it on a, on a webinar. Like, we look for a winner. Right, right, yeah. And I think we've got a lot of, goalkeepers coming into our, our, our systems, into USL, into, you know, MLS, into our youth national teams that that have that, that grit and determination and, and that winning mentality to them, um, you know, and, and I, it's going to be very, very fun to watch, um, you know, as, as things continue to evolve. Um, you know, one thing I'm very impressed by is just everyone's willingness to share knowledge and to pick yeah, each other's yeah. brains during during this time because obviously we have a ton of time on our hands um to do sort of that sort of stuff and i you know i i get on phone calls you know some days three or four some days one some days none but it's been pretty consistent going and, and seeking out knowledge and i think uh i think that's what's going to help us us continue to to push the envelope and and be there because we're always going to have good athletes um we're always going to have some some, some pretty good goalkeepers as well, but, you know, really, really digging as deep as possible and finding, you know, the ability to, to raise a good goalkeeper, you know, that, that 1% in terms of the performance and it gets them over the line to being a great goalkeeper um, because it is such a, such a detailed position, such a, you know, such a small margin for error if we can increase them that, that 1%. That might mean the difference between us, you know, just qualifying for the World Cup to to getting out of the group to sure. winning the first elimination game, you know. And I, I think you, you look back at some of the performances our goalkeepers have had, like obviously Tim Howard and, and uh, the Belgian game. Uh, he, he stood on his head. He made some. He made three or four really big time saves. He had. 15 or so overall, um, I think was the number. I can't remember. You probably remember a little better <laughs> than me. Um, but, you know, some real game-changing saves. Well, you, you look at, you know, Tony Miola in 1994 against Colombia. Right? He made three or four big, big saves, um, you know, and, and preserved the win for us. Um, you know, and you look at Friedel in 2002, you know, in, in, the, in the shootout against Mexico. And some big saves there. Like those, those guys are defined. You know, maybe some of their careers remembered. I remember it because I watched some of that stuff on Amazon Prime uh, recently. But if you're if you're looking at things, their their careers are defined by how they performed in those highest pressure situations. Right. Um, you know, and and that's what's going to truly define the next round of goalkeepers is when they, you know, really really perform. In those, those, you know, those high, high risk reward situations in games. Yeah, 
well, um, I, and in big, big tournaments. Well, I would say, okay, kind of building on, on this, I, I feel like more than ever we've had um, – I, maybe investment isn't the right word, but we ha- we have more people committed to the cause than ever. I, I feel like previously it was, um, I mean, who, who you know, Nate, what, how long is the list of people really, really, oh. <laughs> how, how long? My dogs, don't worry about oh, it's that. Okay. I, was, I was wondering if that was you or a dog. Um, I, uh, but, you know, think of like 20 years ago, how many people are really involved in goalkeeping in the country? It's probably, I'm going to imagine it's not that long of a list as opposed to now. And it's a little bit of a double-edged sword, but there certainly are a lot of people, if not too many, um, I think you could maybe argue. But it, there is a lot of investment there, and um, it does seem like we have a lot of momentum. Now, I think it's kind of in pockets where it's where exactly that's coming out of. But I'm, I'd much rather have this situation that we're at where, you know, we have guys getting poached to go to England, and we have, um, you know, MLS teams really committed to development um you know colleges you know are still playing a role in that to some degree and um it's always kind of pockets but we have more momentum now than we did 10 years ago um so that's i i right. i completely agree I, I feel like we have a lot of there's reasons to be excited i guess uh when there weren't as many like five ten years ago um but you yeah, did, there, there is there's there's some there's some you know really good people out there really trying to push us and, and keep us going forward so so we don't have setbacks, I guess would be a good way of putting it. Um, and, and, you know, I'm a little bit of a historian. You look at, you know, so 1990 was the first time we qualified for a World, World Cup, and it was like 40 years or something like sure. that. Um, you know, so you look at a, a country like a Germany who had qualified for, I think, all but one World Cup. Um, you know, so they had had that consistency there. We've, we've lost a little bit of that. Um, you know, in that gap. And then obviously we made some, some big strides going 90, you know, 94 getting out of our group, 98, you know, a little bit of a hiccup, right? Um, 2002 getting to the quarterfinals, 2006, a little bit of a hiccup, 2010, you know, getting out of the group, 2014, getting, you know, getting some results and everything like that. It's, it's, you know, it's one of those where hopefully the, the little hiccup that we've experienced allows us to take a, a, another big, big leap forward um, the next time. And, sure. you know, goalkeeping specialists are a little bit uh, young in, in, in the U.S. as well. Uh, um, yeah, I hadn't know, really so, thought about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Versus, like, they've been doing that in, in Germany since, the, you know, the early 80s. There's been one guy dedicated to the goalkeepers. And, you know, in the U.S., you might say, like, the early 2000s is when that really really got ramped up mm. um you know outside of you know our full national teams and stuff like like yeah. that because i know a lot of colleges when i was playing um did not have dedicated goalkeeping coaches and now you see a lot of colleges have that person and whether they're volunteer full-time you know their job is you know those three to four people your job is to make them as good as possible so I think we are taking it very serious in terms of our development. Um, and then obviously it just keeps pushing, you know, pushing forward. Ho- hopefully we, we get someone that we can say, yeah, that's, that's the best goalkeeper in the world. Because yeah. I think that's, that's, that's the goal for, for all of us. We want to do right by the people we coach and, and get them to the highest level. And, yeah, know, yeah. That's, 
That's my plan, you know? No, no, I, th- I think those are really excellent points, but I, I will call you out a little bit. You said all positive things, so give give us give us one thing, and and I you know I think you're, you're saying a lot of really good stuff there, but give give us one thing as far as um, you can even frame it of where you would like to see uh, progress or investment in over the next five years. Like where where is um, the most ground to be made up, or, or where would you like U.S. Soccer to really kind of venture down as far as goalkeeper specific and, and with the development in our country? Um, I mean, you know, they, they haven't had uh, a national director of goalkeeping for, for, for a long time now. Um, I think having a clear message come down from, from our governing body would be beneficial. Um, it would give us reference points and starting positions to now, like, evolve from a little bit of a, a guideline. Um, whereas, you know, I, I've been fortunate enough to go into some youth national team camps, and what I did was different than the person that had, uh, that had that group of goalkeepers before and different than the person that had them before, you know, that person. So if, if we had some consistency in the message, I think, I think that would help us. Um, you know, I, I, I've met both uh, of the, the national team goalkeeping coaches, over the years, um, Philip Poole is actually a friend of mine. Um, and, and talking to him, you know, hopefully they they give him an opportunity to kind of to, to to let us, you know, understand what those things are and what that looks like and everything like that. Not that he's going to be the, you know, national director of goalkeeping. I think that that's a completely separate position. Sure. Ultimately, because you know their job as goalkeeping coaches is to put their goalkeepers in a position to win. Um, I think if we talk about like certain characteristics at certain ages, you know, these are what we're looking for at this age, and this is what we're looking for at this age. These are things that I think would be very helpful for, you know, a lot of goalkeeping coaches, um, you know, that are in the academies, um, in youth clubs across the country, because you know, you, you never can tell where that next goalkeeper is going to come from. Right. Um, so it's it's one of those where. I think if there, there was that message there and, you know, a, more goalkeeping coaching education um, would, be a, would be a big piece of that as well because I think that those are elements that, you know, help create those standards and those kind of guidelines and everything like that. Whereas, you know, um, United Soccer Coaches has done a very good job of, of framing those types of things, you know, but at the end of the day, that's not a license, that's a diploma. Sure. Um, so that and then you know the goalkeeping coaching education stuff you can go to europe right you can do united soccer coaches um the international goalkeeping coaches conference um has been very good about exposing coaches as well there's there's things online that are very very helpful as well but they're all a little bit different from the next person um which there's no one way to develop a goalkeeper but i think um you know, each culture is going to have their own differences and everything like that. And yeah, I think U.S. soccer has a great opportunity right now to to do that and take a step forward with that and everything. You know, um, but obviously, I know they've got a lot of things on their plate right now. Um, so it, it may it may not get done. You know, it may be a few years before something like that happens. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know. I'd like to see it because I'd like to go ahead and 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 kind of you know dissect it and process it and that, that's me. I mean, ultimately, <laughs> I want to I want to continue with my coaching education, 
you know, U.S. soccer's goalkeeping A licenses, you know, on my to-do list, and then I'd like to go overseas to Europe and see what it's like. Yeah. You know, and do some of the stuff. Yeah.